الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين بارئ الخلائق أجمعين يا رب لك الحمد كما ينبغي لجلال وجهك ولعظيم سلطانك وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله قل اللهم مالك الملك تؤتي الملك من تشاء وتنزع الملك ممن تشاء وتعز من تشاء وتذل من تشاء بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير لا تدركه الأبصار وهو يدرك الأبصار ليس كمثله شيء وهو السميع البصير وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله لقد كان لكم في رسول الله أسوة حسنة لمن كان يرجو الله واليوم الآخر وذكر الله كثيرا من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له ومن يتوكل على الله فهو حسبه نعم المولى ونعم الحسيب أما بعد Dear committed Muslims, brothers and sisters As we approach the time of year when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed and calculated that those who are in opposition to His will use their worldly wherewithal to do what they did and had us out here in the street now for 35 years in approaching this time of year I think it is very appropriate and very timely to understand our relationship with Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala This is a relationship that is not contingent upon our senses. 
it is not subject to our physical presence per se <coughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not detectable with the senses the physical senses that he has given us we can't see him we can't hear him and we can't subject him to the other senses that we have he is everywhere anywhere all the time every time he is as far as our minds can go and beyond he is as close to us and more so than we are to our own selves so we can't sense him with our physical senses لا تدركه الأبصار وهو يدرك الأبصار There are things besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we have no sensual contact with There are distances beyond the galaxies and beyond the celestial sphere that our minds tell us are out there, but we can't see them. There is also in ourselves, there are things we cannot see. Your eye cannot see by itself without any help, cannot see its own self. Of course, if you take a mirror, with the help of a mirror, you can see your eye. Or some type of reflective matter, you can see your eye. But can your eye see its own eye by its own self? Impossible. And then there are those things that are not within our normal range. The ultraviolet and the ultrasonic. Light and sound that are above the range of our normal hearing and seeing. And then there are though something called the infrared and the infrasonic those that are below our range of seeing and hearing so things that are there we cannot detect with our normal and average eyes and ears then there are things that are just beyond us al-jinn and al-malaika 
whatever type of instruments we may develop through our scientific achievements, we still will not be able to subject al-jinn and al-malaika to our normal range of senses. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has presented himself to us through his sifat. He tells us who he is. And we can go down the list of Asma'illah al-Husna. Al-Rahim, Al-Rahman, Al-Latif, Al-Khabir, etc. He has also presented himself to us through what he does. In the battle of Badr, in the battles of the committed Muslims, Allah came to our support. So we sensed his presence among us. He is with us in these types of times. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ This is an ayah in Surah Ali Imran. Say, O Prophet, to the committed Muslims and to the world, if you like and love Allah, then follow me and Allah will like and love you. Further thought about this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِي The Prophet is saying to you and me and the rest of the world, if you adorn and revere Allah, then follow me. The Prophet did not say, love me. The ayah did not say, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَأَحِبُّونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ That's not the wording of the ayah. Because there are some things in life that me, we may want to do, but we don't like doing them. It reminds you of the nasty, spoiled child that you have to educate him when he is kicking and screaming. So all that is required of us is to follow Allah's Prophet, to gain Allah's admiration, so to speak, for us. So it's not our love of Allah or our saying that we love and like Allah that counts. It's Allah's love and like of us that counts. قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ 
فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ This brings me to a very important as I was trying to put together these thoughts about how am I going the humble me how is the humble me going to explain to the humble you how can we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he's not within the range of our senses you like something you admire something that is within the range of your senses you can see it you can feel it but something that's not within that range how are you going to show affection for Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way he responds it's in Allah's way information came my way as if I while I was trying to put these humble remarks together <coughs> of a person two persons a mother and a son and I'm going to read for you you know it's not my practice to read verbatim in a khutbah but because this is a real story and it has real meanings in it and it will just in a story method it will tell you how a person detects or has a sense of Allah that is not physical or material an ayah in the Quran says وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّاهُ وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا إِمَّا يَبْلُغَنَّ عِنْدَكَ الْكِبَرَ أَحَدُهُمَا أَوْ كِلَاهُمَا فَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفٍ وَلَا تَنْهَرْهُمَا وَقُلْ لَهُمَا قَوْلًا كَرِيمًا وَاخْفِضْ لَهُمَا جَنَاحَ الذُّلِّ مِنَ الرَّحْمَةِ وَقُلْ رَبِّ ارْحَمْهُمَا كَمَا رَبَّيَانِي صَغِيرًا this ayah is a very well-known ayah in Surah Al-Isra in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is nurturing, educating, informing, instructing, and teaching children how they should behave towards their parents. And I think all of us or the overwhelming majority of us are familiar with the ayah so that will relieve me of the time it's going to take to translate it so in that context and I want you to think along and appreciate how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is detected by al-basira and not by al-basar This is word by word, this experience in a lifetime of two individuals, a mother and her son. And this is the son speaking. My mom only had one eye. 
I hated her. She was such an embarrassment. She cooked for students and teachers to support the family. There was this one day during elementary school where my mom came to say hello to me. I was so embarrassed. How could she do this to me? I ignored her, threw her a hateful look, and ran out. The next day at school, one of my classmates said, Eee! Your mom only has one eye. I wanted to bury myself. I also wanted my mom to just disappear. So I confronted her that day and said, if you're only going to make me a laughing stock, why don't you just die? My mom did not respond. I didn't even stop to think for a second about what I had said because I was full of anger. I was oblivious to her feelings. I wanted out of that house. So I studied real hard, got a chance to go to Singapore to study. Then I got married. I bought a house of my own. I had kids of my own. I was happy with my life. Then one day, my mother came to visit me. She she had not seen me in years. And she didn't even meet her grandchildren. When she stood by the door, My children laughed at her. I screamed at her, how dare you come to my house and scare my children? Get out of here now. And to this, my mother quietly answered, I'm sorry. I may have gotten the wrong address. 
and she disappeared out of sight. One day, a letter regarding a school reunion came to my house. So I lied to my wife that I was going on a business trip. After the reunion, I went to the old shack just out of curiosity. My neighbor said that she had died. I did not shed a single tear. They handed me a letter that she had wanted me to have. And the letter here is in quotes. My dearest son, I think of you all the time. I'm sorry that I came to Singapore and scared your children. I was so glad when I heard you were coming for the reunion, but I may not be able to even get out of bed to see you. I'm sorry that I was a constant embarrassment to you when you were growing up. You see, when you were very little, you got into an accident. and lost your eye. As a mother, I couldn't stand watching you having to grow up with one eye so I gave you mine. I was so proud of my son, who was seeing a whole new world for me in my place with that eye. With my love to you, your mother. This is a person, the mother, who saw Allah. She didn't have an eye. She saw Allah with her heart. If we can't see Allah with our hearts, <laughs> we are at a loss. Aqulu qawli hadha astaghfirullah li wa lakum ud'uhu subhanah وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة وتوبوا إلى الله إن الله تواب رحيم
الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم صلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear brothers and sisters, committed Muslims, it is with this fertility of heart that we sense Allah Ta'alat Hikmatuhu wa Jalla Sha'nuh. And it's probably because of this that those who are on the opposing side of us don't want us to take our natural course in life as it were. You know in the past 35 years or so we've been out here expressing as much as we could to the best of our knowledge and abilities the truth and the facts about what is being done to us let me remind some of you it's good a reminder is good for the year 1979 when the issue of the Islamic Center began it didn't begin in a vacuum this is a very fast review of that year. In January of that year, the dictator and the king of kings in Iran left his country. In February, Imam al-Khumayni rahmatullahi alayhi returns to his own country. In March, the president of Egypt, Sadat, signs what is called the peace agreement with the Zionist colonizers of Palestine. In July, Saddam Hussein becomes the president of Iraq. On the 4th of November of that year, the American embassy is taken over by students in the Islamic Republic. On the 20th of November in that year, there was the uprising in Mecca, which is referred to by some as the Juhayman Revolt. On the 21st of November, the American embassy was torched in Islamabad, in Pakistan. And on the 27th of December, the Soviet Union invaded and occupied Afghanistan. This is a very quick summary of what was happening during that tumultuous year when the administrators of this Islamic Center realized that they could not survive with the same policies and the same direction that they have been they were moving in for many years. Now, up until I mean, going from then to now. What is happening in this time frame that we are in? 
the government in Pakistan has decided to send 1,000 troops to protect the ruling family in Saudi Arabia. Seems like they don't have enough loyalty inside their own country to relegate security issues to their own people. They have to go to Pakistan where some Pakistanis are more loyal to the Saudis than, anything, than anyone else. And then we had, these are the same people right now who are running this Islamic center. Their syndicate of bosses are now permitting, even though officially they deny it, but there are reliable reports that now their airspace is open to the Hunud and the Yahud. This, these are the Pakistan. These, this is the royal family that is being protected by the Pakistani government that is opening, the Saudi government's opening its airspace for the two enemies that are supposed to be the mortal enemies of Pakistan. What type of contradiction that mind is in. And then we had the secret visit of the crown prince of this Saudi regime to the Zionist colonizers of Palestine. And then we had the meeting between Turkil Faisal, the ex-intelligence chief in Saudi Arabia, with Ephraim Halivi, who's himself the ex-chief of the Mossad. And where do they meet? Of all places, in a synagogue in New York. And then we have the pro-Saudi online daily newspapers called Elaf running uh, interview with the Israeli chief of staff, Eisenkot. And then we have Qatar. Now Qatar and Saudi Arabia, both of them, are competing who is going to have Israelis speak with them. And one program there in Qatar, it's called Al-Ittijah Al-Mu'akis, has had an interview with another, this week, with another one of these Israeli war criminals. So now both of them are trying to win over Israeli support. How far are they, these people who are doing these things, how far are they from sensing Allah Azza wa Jal? This past week, a news item, there were young women in the Haram, in Mecca, who were playing some game, I can't understand what the name of that game is, but it reminded me of Monopoly. They're playing some game there in the haram. And it's becoming like a big fuss in their social media. What is called the justice ministry. They don't have any justice, but they have a ministry called the justice ministry in Saudi Arabia that has canceled what's called Bayt al-Ta'a. This was a regulation they had. If a woman got divorced, 
and her husband ordered her back home if she left her husband and went to her parents place if her husband ordered her to come back home she had to come back home now the liberalization that is going on in Saudi Arabia has canceled this tradition and this law and they in the city of Jeddah for three days they beginning I guess this week sometime they are going to have what is called the Saudi bridal exhibition in Jeddah in which 160 domestic and international companies are going to participate and they're going to cover the areas of fashion and decor and jewelry and then the Saudis are going to have an exhibition and it was called an Arab Fashion Week in Riyadh the last five days of March and then the king there is disturbed now that his kingdom's relationship with the other kingdoms in Arab countries is deteriorating with Jordan, with Morocco, with Oman, with Kuwait, etc. They're not what they used to be. This is the type of world that these sensual rulers are in. And they have now these activities that they are sponsoring, carnivals, songs, women driving cars the presence of women in sports stadiums permitting women to go to the graves of their deceased or their beloved ones and then we have a Saudi journalist who appears on a Saudi international satellite station and he says the adhan I will quote to you Sawtu al-adhan yukhifu al-atfal wa yur'ibuhum wa yuthiru al-faz'a fi qulub al-nas He says the voice of the adhan is frightening children terrifying them and it's disturbing the hearts of people and then he called upon decreasing the number of masajid in Arabia. And his rationalization was, if the number of masajid comes down, then the number of Muslims in every masjid is going to go up. And that's better. This is the type of disturbance and the type of irrationality that exists in a kingdom that can only live at the extremes it cannot find the happy medium now they've set aside a budget of 64 billion dollars 
for the coming 10 years to promote. They have now an entertainment committee and they want to promote this type of entertainment in their kingdom. You'd think they try to solve the issue of unemployment, the issue of poverty, the issue of accessibility to Mecca and Al Medina by all Muslims of the world. No, they're not interested in that. They're interested in placing on what they call the Islam of moderation. And this is their interpretation of moderation, their practical interpretation of moderation. In the Arabian Peninsula, I don't know if maybe this is something that only those who read the Arab press know of. But there's a type of crisis between Kuwait and the Philippines. And that crisis had to do with a Filipina servant who was mutilated in Kuwait. And the president of the Philippines got so upset, he called upon all Filipinos who are in that part of the world to return home. And now, of course, the Kuwaitis are trying to make up for this in a diplomatic sense. But this brings us to a larger issue. And this will prove to you how far these people are from Islam. The number of Asian servants from the Philippines in that part of the world in the Gulf and Peninsula, the Arabian Peninsula and the Persian slash Arabian Gulf, for those who are sensitive to these words, there are 2.2 million Filipinas, female Filipinos, who are serving there as domestic help and servants. 250,000 of them are in Kuwait. So most of the 2.2 million Filipinas who are servants in the world, the majority of them are in the Gulf area. And out of that majority, 250,000 of them are in Kuwait. Last year alone, 103 of them, of these servants, Filipinas, were killed. This is not to speak about how many of them were raped, which becomes one of those issues that they don't want to speak about. But what does this say to us? How does this reflect on us Muslims? This is... This is a shame. This is an embarrassment. This is a disgrace to have something like that happen. They're treating other human beings like chattel, slaves. And then they go and pray. And they build masajid. 
and they distribute poisonous Islamic literature and they claim that they are the guardians of Al-Haramayn Al-Sharifayn We wish we had rulers who had the sense of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in themselves like that mother cared for her son. We want rulers who care for their people like that mother cared for her son. And you're not going to find them in these monarchies and kingdoms with these autocrats and dictators. And there's no conflict here if we speak about the tender tender-heartedness, the tender heartness of Muslims, and then we take a look at the brutality of criminals. There's no conflict between the two. Our schizophrenic public says if you want to speak about Irfan, you can't speak about politics. Or the other way around. If you want to speak about political issues, you can't speak about Irfan. This is the, or Tasawwuf. This is the dilemma that we have to outgrow. Allahumma arina al haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'a. Wa arina al batila batilan warzuqna jtinaba. ولا تجعله ملتبسا علينا واجعلنا للمتقين اماما ربنا وسعت كل شيء رحمه وعلما فاغفر للذين تابوا واتبعوا سبيلك وقهم عذاب الجحيم ربنا وأدخلهم جنات عدن التي وعدتهم ومن صلح من آبائهم وأزواجهم وذرياتهم إنك أنت العزيز الحكيم رب اجعلني مقيم الصلاة ومن ذريتي ربنا وتقبل دعاء رب اغفر لي ولوالدي وللمؤمنين يوم يقوم الحساب اللهم انصرنا بالحق اللهم انصر الحق بنا اللهم كن معنا ولا تكن علينا ربنا لا تجعل في قلوبنا غلا للذين آمنوا ربنا إنك رؤوف رحيم ربنا أفرغ علينا الصبر وثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين ربنا صل على محمد وآل محمد وبارك على محمد وآل محمد ربنا صل على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم وبارك على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر 
إِنَّ الْإِنْسَانَ لَفِي خُسْرٍ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالصَّبْرِ وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنْ مَنَعَ مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ أَنْ يُذْكَرَ فِيهَا اسْمُهُ وَسَعَى فِي خَرَابِهَا أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله 